So today we are so honored to welcome Lee Kim to the show. Lee is a design thinking facilitator, community builder, dreamer, wackadoodle in all the best ways. Lee, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, I've been wanting to have you on for a long time now. So I'm really, really grateful for your for your time. Would you mind telling the audience a little bit about who you are? What do you do? And how did you get into design in the first place? Because I know that that's not really your your background. When people ask me that question, I always have to think about like, how did I end up being here and doing design thinking? Yeah, so my background is I was born in South Korea. I came to U.S. to study and then I studied mechanical engineering and then eventually graduated and, and got a job. And I also studied fashion design. Oh. Uh, but that's not how I got into design. Actually, I was an engineer for 15 years, focusing on urban planning. But actually, design thinking came to me because of my personal journey through broken family relationship, <laughs> if I have to say it that way. So I have a, a daughter who is eight years old. And when she was one, I brought her to Korea to, to you know, share the life being with my parents. And during the visit, I got into a huge fight with my parents and which led to my parents disowning me and me coming back to the state and really going through a tough time about how to reconcile the difference between what I think I should be and what I became. And that was the time, the darkest, probably darkest time of my life. And then I was somehow introduced to design thinking with a workshop. And Tracy, you also know our friend Tracy Brandenburg, and she was the one who introduced me to design thinking. But I wasn't looking at design thinking as like whole process and mindset. When she introduced me to design thinking, it was about empathy. And I thought I knew what empathy was, you know, like at that time, I was always thinking about my parents and my broken relationship with them. And when she asked me, do you know what empathy is? I automatically put myself into the time that I went back to Korea and I was like, of course, I know what empathy is. Empathy is putting yourself into somebody else's shoes. And I think I did that, you know. And she said, that's not empathy. Actually, empathy is almost impossible to, to achieve because you can never be that person in their shoes. But what empathy is, is attempting to be that person in their shoes and trying to understand what it is like to be that person. And that's how I got into design thinking and so it's, it's not like, you know, I wanted to create a new process or product. It was just my attempting to repair a relationship with my parents. I feel like you're a living, walking, talking, breathing design experiment from what you'd started with Wearable Tracy a few years ago. Can you tell us a little bit about the Wearable Tracy experiment that you've been doing for years? Sort of how did it begin and then where has it evolved to since? Wearable Tracy, it is a living experimentation. It first began on May 20th of 2017. It's almost four years now. It's hard to believe. That is amazing. <laughs> right? <laughs> I forgot Tracy's birthday. So Tracy Brandenburg, who introduced me to design thinking, who asked me what empathy was, and I forgot a birthday. And I was on my way to a workshop, and I got a Facebook notification because, you know, I, I didn't put it on my calendar does Facebook always has this way of knowing people? <laughs> <laughs> it's somebody's birthday. Have you thought about sending them, you know, nice emails and things? And somehow that day, it just bothered me that it was Facebook reminding me of my friend's birthday. 
And I wanted to just do something that is uniquely acknowledging her friendship with me and my friendship with her. So as a symbol of design thinking friends, what do we do? You know, we make things with the pipe cleaners because that's what I guess main material or some materials that we always use. So I got, you know, I went to the dollar store and I got a bunch of pipe cleaners and I made tiny birthday crown and I wore it. And I, I kind of started this idea of like, what if I wear it all day? You know, she's not here, but what if I wear it all day and see what happens? And so that day wearing that tiny pipe cleaner crown throughout New York City was almost like a dare to myself. Like, can I do this? You know, and then the next day it was my daughter who was kind of going through my bag and asking me, like, what is this? And I said, oh, there's a pipe cleaner. And somehow, you know, sometimes you just have these ideas just come to you and then like, huh. I wonder if I should continue making that pipe cleaner crown. And I don't know if it's an engineering me or maybe it's just a number of systems that was embedded in our system that I was like, I will do this. I'll make a project, 365 day project, and I'm going to create something new every day. And I made a rule right there. Then I made a three rules. Number one, I'm going to create something new every day using pipe cleaner and then I'm going to, I'm going to wear it. Number two was I'm going to wear it, not just when I'm away from the populations. Actually, I'm going to wear it when it's most uncomfortable for me to wear, which is nine to five when I'm at work. <laughs> and then I said, if somebody asks me, which they did the day before, what is that all about? What are you wearing on your head? Then I have to tell them the story of why I'm doing this. So I create this like project and then rule number one, two, three right there. Mm-hmm. Sunday was easy, right? Sunday, you just wear it. Nobody's looking at you. (laughs) And then Monday came and I had to go to work. And by then I left my engineering job and I was working for Pfizer and I was actually working at the headquarters. So you can imagine how I felt kind of like I made this rule out of whim. Now I have to live it. Yeah, I know. I'm actually, so I'm an introvert. So when I first met you and you were wearing your crown, I'm like, (laughs) that's amazing. And I am terrified for you. You don't need me to be terrified for you, but I was terrified. And so I'm just curious. One, what happened that first day that when your daughter saw it the next day, you felt like, oh, hey, like this might be a thing. And then I do want to talk about what it felt like that first day at work. Sunday was fine, you know, when you're walking around with six-year-old, five-year-old, people think you're just doing it for them. So it was not a problem. Nobody was like, you know, making any fudgy faces or anything like that. Next day was different. (laughs) And it wasn't as big as what you see now. It was still tiny. Yeah. Um, Actually, I'm going to interrupt you because I would love for you to describe what your crowns look like to people since this is an audio experience they can't get the full impact of what you create so can you talk a little bit about what you do what you create if people know what pipe cleaner is pipe cleaners are this metallic rod but very very thin wrapped around with some fuzzy stuff so you can bend it you can fold it you can make circles whatever the shape you want and so i have uh, and it's about, I don't know, about two, three feet long, right? Two, maybe two, three feet long. And the rule is I don't cut them. So first I make the base almost look like a headband, right? And then you build a structure going up. 
So sometimes it will, from far away, it looks like a tree on, on, on your head, you know, tiny tree on your head <laughs> um, with different colors. So you, almost like a Christmas tree on your head. I don't know if you can imagine that. <laughs> yeah. With different lights kind of lighting up. But as I start building things, I actually began to make shapes. So from far away, you can actually see a bird. You can see a cat. You can see a person, you know, on your head, all with pipe cleaners. Yeah, they're very sculptural. It has become more sculptural as I went along with it. I think I got better at it. <laughs> what was it like going into work that first day? Oh, it was scary. I mean, I know what I would say if I see a person like that. <laughs> what would you have said to you then? I, I would think like that person is a little, you know, little strange, little cookie. But I would also kind of smile because the, the pipe cleaners are very colorful and they are childish. So they are not threatening. I'm not wearing something that's sharp. I'm wearing something that's very whimsical. What I thought was people will look at it and think I'm a little little out there. <laughs> but because I just studied Pfizer three months prior, it was okay to be a little out there. I wouldn't have been able to do it in my previous job where I was known as an engineer. But in this new environment, although it was a lot more corporate than my previous job, people don't know me. So why not? For a lot of people, I would think that not having yet cemented your identity would make it harder to do something like that because then you're really going to be known as the pipe cleaner crown lady. And that might be intimidating, but for you, it wasn't? Yeah, actually, I thought it is something that I needed to do because I was brought into the company, at least my previous boss, the way he described me to my colleagues was, Lee's a little different. She's a little crazy, but I think we need a little crazy in our group. That's how he, that's how he explained, you know, me to others, right? What a gift. That's such a permission slip. Imagine if more people got that in their work environments. Like he was completely okay with me coming into work like that. But he also knew not everybody will look at me and then say like, that's okay. I think there was a turning point, by the way, because it was fight between him, you know, kind of covering for me and me being okay with the way I'm doing this. On day 38, I was at a water cooler coffee, I don't know what you call it, cafe on the floor. And there were a bunch of people there talking. And all of a sudden, this person from the crowd approached me and he said, wow. And I was wearing a mask that day. What is that you, you have on your face? And so I explained to him. And, you know, now that I have talk to him. He asked a question. I talked to him. The last rule number three was if somebody showed interest, you have to ask their name. So I asked him, you know, thanks for asking the question. Now that I know, now that you know my story, what's your name? And my boss was with me at that time. And he kind of like grabbed me on the side and, and then said like, Lee, he is the SVP or executive VP of human resources advisor. So everybody knows him except me. <laughs> so, so yeah, so he's, he's, he's an executive leadership board and everybody knows him, but I didn't know him. But I, I, I was so embarrassed because 
I felt like I should have known him. Just almost like I should have known Albert Buller as my, you know, our CEO. It was like that. And I said, I am so sorry. I don't know how that came across. And, you know, like, I'm, I'm really sorry for, for not knowing who you are. And he just like laughed out loud. And he was like, Lee, I love what you're doing. You know, if anybody says anything about your crown or your, your, your mask, just say that Chuck Hill said you could do this. And so now all of a sudden I got an endorsement from executive leadership, you know. <laughs> and actually that made a difference too, because my boss who was saying it's okay, he actually now was able to tell his boss that, you know, we got an endorsement from um, executive VP. He's, he also retired since then, but I really appreciated those kind of forwardness from the leadership. Um, Although I would have done it regardless, I think it just makes a huge difference knowing that somebody at the leadership level appreciates those kind of things, you know? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's reminding me of there's some study or something that was done where it's like if somebody in a park starts, stands up and starts dancing, you know, people will look over and wonder what's wrong with that person. And then <laughs> if a second person joins them, you're like, well, okay, now there's two crazy people. But, <laughs> but if a third person joins in, for some reason, that tends to be the tipping point that invites everybody else to now begin to play and participate. And it sounds like you got your third you know, person was this yeah. senior leader. And then, yeah, gives permission to the rest of the community to sort of join in if they should choose to. But at the same time, also just allows you this permission to feel like you can be yourself and you can belong in an environment that traditionally may not seem like it's all that playful on the surface. Yeah. And I have learned so much about myself, too. When you put yourself out there with a pipe cleaner hat, and, and you know, now you're going to be forever known as pipe cleaner lady, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you just have to own it, right? You have to own that. Yes, I'm, I'm a pipe cleaner lady, but I'm much more than pipe cleaner lady. This is what I, what you see me, but if you bring me to your place and ask me to do, you know, strategy meetings or design thinking workshops, can I live up to the expectation of that openness, creativity, pushing the boundaries? So you also have more responsibility, although it's not about living up to the expectation. But I think I have more humility to say that I don't know enough. So I'm always going to reach out and ask for help. And as I said, like the world is a generous place. So I have reached out. I have asked for help. And tonight I'm going to also have a conversation with someone about things that I don't know. Because you only live once and you don't have all the knowledge you need. But you are so fortunate to be part of the world where there are so many people who have a lot more knowledge than you do. You just have to know who they are and where they are. Yeah, I think we spend a lot of our time, especially as adults, pretending like we have the answers to things because we're so afraid to admit that we don't, rather than <laughs> seeking out some people who may know. Nobody knows everything. We all know bits and pieces. And so being able to come together and share that knowledge when we need it is so it is such a gift of community. So, yeah. So would you talk a little bit about what this has evolved to now 
the wearable Tracy piece? Yeah. So, you know, you, you saw me today with wearable Tracy. And as you can see, it's almost May 20th of 2021, almost four years. And I started out as one-year project. So why the hell are you still continuing? <laughs> right. And I will also say that when you got to 365 days, I was like, oh, okay, now I can breathe. Because again, <laughs> so uncomfortable for the introvert. And then you kept going and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, May 19th, I think my husband was as ecstatic as you were to see that he doesn't have to endure the stairs anymore because strangely enough in the neighborhood, people would not come to me and ask me questions about like, you know, what are you wearing? But they will go to my husband and ask like, what is your wife wearing? Is it like some kind of religious ceremony or is it like a cultural thing that she does? That is fascinating. <laughs> You didn't get the questions directly. (laughs) Yeah, they don't ask me a question. I think maybe I'm not that approachable, but definitely ask him a question. If you're the crazy person, am I really (laughs) going to ask you the question? (laughs) Right, they're going to ask someone, normal person who married a crazy person. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. So now here we are. It's almost four years later. Yeah. So it was my daughter who asked me to continue because she actually loved it. She loved the attention she was getting when we were together. And sometimes I'll make it and the neighborhood kids actually loved it. So they will be like, you know, five-year-old, six-year-old, they will be like, I love your hat. Can I have one? And I'll, you know, I'll just pop one and I'll give it to them. And so my daughter actually thought it was a pretty cool thing that her mom does, that she can just whip out a hat you know, uh, with, with a couple of pipe cleaners. And she didn't want me to stop. So when the year challenge was over, I asked her to be my partner, meaning that she will do some artistic endeavors in her five-year-old, six-year-old mind. And then I'll kind of support by making pipe cleaner hats or crowns based on her drawings. So every day she draws and every day based on her drawings, I'll make. Sometimes she doesn't have any drawings then I'll make and then she'll, she'll draw afterwards. So that became a really good kind of partnership between me and my daughter, just because I also don't get to spend that much time with her. So I don't know what's going on in her head, you know, what kind of imagination is going through her. And by looking at her drawings, you can kind of see, you know, what she's interested in, what are the things that's grabbing her attention. So it went on for another year or so until pandemic hit. And I stopped making wearable traces because I used to make it on the way to work on the subway, 45 minute rides. That was just enough time for me to make one. A month went by and Hannah asked me, mom, how come you're not making wearable traces anymore? And I said, I don't, I don't go to work anymore. So I don't have time to make it. And she was like, well, I'm still drawing. I'm still doing my part. You know, oh. and so I was like, <laughs> I love yeah. Hannah. She's sassy. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> She's like, hey, you're not holding your end of the bargain. <laughs> um, and I didn't have a good argument against that. Like, yeah, why am I not doing it? So, so I made one and then I wore it to our virtual meeting. And actually, I realized that that gives people something to talk about. You know, the virtual is quite flat. No matter how amazing you make that Zoom background to be, it's still quite flat, 
right? Sometimes actually I want people to get rid of the background and show me what they have in real background. Totally. Um, and so I realized that whatever I can bring out as my authentic self, whether it is a pack cleaner hat or um, stories I can share, it is something that we all can appreciate, at least the one part that my daughter appreciates. And also she can see she has a power that what she does matter and people actually can see the value of those creativity. And now, you know, like people ask, like, are you going to ever stop? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not, not going to stop. And so you can, you can feel still bad for me, Tracy. <laughs> you know what? What I've learned, Lee, is that you are a-okay, absolutely fine without my concern for you. You are thriving <laughs> and having a good life. So... <laughs> You know, my mom was also embarrassed for me. In the beginning, she was like, why would you do that? Why would you put yourself into a situation where people can make fun of you, where you are going to be embarrassed? And it was only after, you know, my, my friend Emily made a documentary and I shared that documentary with her. And all of a sudden, she's like, I am so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when your story is now being told by others, then embarrassment becomes a proud moment for a mother. So yeah, no, you never know. <laughs> no, nobody does documentaries about people who are just the average person <laughs> staying safe, right? <laughs> so actually, that brings up a good point. In the beginning, you talked about your relationship with your parents and how design thinking sort of helped to at least crack open yeah. a, a bit for you guys to meet each other. Where is your relationship now and, and has design played continued to play a role? Yeah, relationship is, is tough. What I didn't reveal in the beginning is I didn't have a deep relationship to begin with. I think that's why there was always chance for it to crack. So I left home when I was 11 to go to boarding school. And, and then you know I came to the state after I finished my high school. So I didn't have understanding of who my parents were I, I still don't know that much about my parents you know what their favorite food is what their favorite music is color is like the things that you might know about your spouse or your children I don't know but I can before I didn't even know how to start a conversation like I didn't know whether I could reach out to them and say happy birthday right because <laughs> because the communication was broken now when the pandemic it's over, I can go and have a conversation with them. And now we are, we are communicating <clears throat> over internet. So we do have a relationship. It's not perfect, far from perfect actually, but I'm just grateful that there is a line between me and them and that design constantly pushes you <laughs> like, over this three-month period where I was leading design thinking workshops and whenever I talk about, you know, dig deeper, <laughs> I always mention something about my parents and people are like, you still haven't written to them? <laughs> so finally yesterday I wrote, um, I wrote a letter and I took a picture and I sent it to them. I, I think design is not a finite thing. You don't end saying like, okay, I'm done with it. It's continuous continuous endeavor and that's why I think I'm attracted to the experimentation yeah absolutely I mean we're always being faced with new problems to solve right 
we saw we solve some of them and then there's new ones that present themselves so having the skills of design and creativity innovation however people want to talk about it helps you to face the things that are the unknowns right we can't anticipate if we could anticipate them we'd solve them ahead of time but when you can't anticipate them you need to have some way to deal with it so i'm wondering if you had to sort of sum up your thoughts on creativity and play like what are some of the themes that you think would be important for our listeners to take away i think of it as sometimes people plan and they execute for me i have a hunch and i experiment and i don't have that much time in between hunch and experimentations and i think you know that has served me well but at the same time i always have a person on my side who can complement my holiness, you know, like if I'm jumping in too fast and maybe I don't have any equipment to protect me, there's always people who are on the shore kind of watching out for me. Um, so when you play, play together. When you experiment, experiment together. Because just doing it alone is not fun and it can also be very lonely. <laughs> so I say do it together, have fun together, and just uh, every day you build little pipe cleaner hats into something that's more sculptural in the end, but there is no end to it. And I think that's why it's so important to just to continue and see what tomorrow brings. I love it. That's so wise. So if people, some people may not have pipe cleaners in their home. <laughs> some people may not be brave enough or extroverted enough to actually put them on their heads. What are, what are some tangible steps for folks who maybe are just getting started or are mm -hmm. thinking about transitioning out of their life during the pandemic into this new reality? What are a few steps that they could take as first ones to just get started? For me, because I cannot speak for everybody, but when, when I was going through a hard time with my parents, what I did was I wrote poetry <laughs> and they're not good in any ways but I just had to write something and the little lines of thoughts I shared it with a few people so I think just to making something that is in your head more visible it doesn't have to be on your head but on the paper and maybe share it with a couple of people and just to let it out if you are an introvert you can definitely just to put out a few thoughts on the paper and then, you know, compile it, share it. I think doing something small like that, because I, if you look at my pipe cleaner hats in the day one, I, I don't think I used more than like seven pipe cleaners, maybe three. Now I use 50. You know? <laughs> um, so I think maybe just write one word, two words, whatever you have in your mind and just write it down. And you don't have to accomplish everything that you write down or be able to publish what you do, because uh, definitely that wasn't my goal. But I think it's important for us to just pour out something that's in you to something that you can see. You can read the day after and reflect on it, whether it is whether it's just a sentence or a paragraph. That will be something that I would recommend people doing simple enough. And then if you have something 
share it with me, share it with, you know, <laughs> I would love to see someone actually. Yeah, I was going to say, you have so many yeah. communities where people can, can join, anyone's free to join, and can share some of their thoughts back with like-minded individuals and get support and, yeah, take next steps. Yes. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Lee. This has been so inspiring. Yeah, and I'm just so grateful that we got a chance to meet in the first place and that our friendship has developed, and especially over this past year, I feel like it's gotten stronger too because you made the effort, you put out the invitations, and I'm so grateful. And I am so grateful that you said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Playdate was made because you accepted the invitation and we were able to play together. Love it.